very, very, very important work to do and lots of it. Uh, but thankfully, staff has already done lots and lots and lots of work uh, that will help our efficiency. Um, Mr. Heilman. Thank you, Mayor. So today I'm going to, uh, to turn the uh, presentation over to Veronica Chavez as she walks us through the uh, overview on the 23-24 uh, financial plan. Uh, we also will dig into the Desert Willow budget, which you've just seen uh, recently, as well as going through the housing budget before we get we commence, commence the presentation. But I just want to thank all the directors and all the teams in the, in the city. Uh, this came together pretty quickly. Uh, the budget is balanced that you're seeing. We do have a couple policy questions where we need some, uh, some feedback today that uh, Veronica will hit. But at this point, I'd just like to turn it over to her to, to kick us off on the overview. And Veronica, could I ask uh, you to pick uh, periodic stopping points for questions to keep us from slowing down? constantly absolutely okay. we actually have them sectioned out in the presentation so Perfect. i think we're set um, okay, good afternoon, Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council. Today we begin day one of three days of the budget study sessions for 23-24. In your packets, you have the City Manager Summary, General Fund Projected Revenue and Expenditure Summaries. Um, on page 13, you have the detailed General Fund line item budgets. On page 81, the Police Detailed Budget. 82 is the Fire Detailed Budget. 83 begins the five-year capital improvement plan, or CIP list, and then finally, the presentation slides begin on page 113. As we mentioned, we have a lot of information to get through, so in respect of your schedules, we've created a very tight agenda with breaks for questions identified throughout the presentation. However, this is your study session, so let us know if you need us to do anything differently. Um, I just wanted to make a couple notes on the cover memo. On the third paragraph down, it says that general fund revenues of 75.5 million are just shy of the requested 75.3 million in expenditures. That should have said just above. My apologies. Um, a couple of changes that I noted over the weekend on page two of the presentation, we just updated the order of the um, agenda. And so we had moved some um, programs around, and I just wanted to note that in your version, it looks a little bit different. Um, but for today, we're going to get through the goals and objectives, the overall summaries, um, the budgets and forecast overviews, as Todd mentioned, Desert Willow, the affordable housing budgets, and then the general fund operating budgets, um, a good portion of them today. We'll pick up again tomorrow at 2 p.m., and then our final session should be on May 15th, with the budget coming to you um, on June 22nd. So back in February, Council met and they discussed and agreed upon the 23-24 goals and priorities. The goals and priorities are what staff uses to determine how we uh, collect our budget for the upcoming fiscal year. And so we like to include this slide at the beginning of our presentation just to remind everyone how we got where we are at and how we determined what our numbers look like this year. So we'll jump right into the all fund summaries. Staff is estimating that at June, oh, sorry, July 1st, 2023, all funds grand total will be $336 million. 
Over the course of the year, we'll have revenues and expenditures that will ultimately result in an ending balance at June 30th of $230 million. We will be very busy in 23-24, as you can see. This slide right here is just an overview of the five-year CIP by the different funds that we use to cover our CIP projects. Um, included in there is also um, various facility improvements. And so, as you can see, um, with the carryover, the largest component is um, paid out of our capital projects fund. And then in 23-24, it's split between our special revenue funds and capital project funds. And we will get into these in more detail um, on day two or um, later on today if we have a little bit of time. So this schedule right here is just a snapshot if you looked at the funding sources um, the day that I took the snapshot. And so the revenues for each fund that applies for each of the projects that we're anticipating over the next five years are identified here. Um, special revenue funds, as you can see, has a substantial opening balance, um, but we do have quite a few projects coming out of there. What I will note is that although we have a substantial balance at the end, special revenue funds are very restricted, and so if one has um, a positive balance at the end, it may or may not be able to cover a different project. For instance, within the special revenue funds, we have fire and housing authority, and you certainly couldn't use fire for housing or housing for fire. Um, but that is just the snapshot at this time for capital. We did want to note the grant summary. We have an HSIP grant, a CDBG, CalCOPS, and recycling grant. I do want to note that the CDBG number has changed. We've received our award um, letter, and it is 394000 instead of the 418 for the upcoming fiscal year. Uh, 413 is what we were projecting, uh, but we got the letter and it's 394, it's just slightly under. We'll jump right into the general fund overview. So as Todd mentioned, we have a balanced budget with a surplus of $200,000 um, estimated for the next fiscal year. This slide right here compares um, the last five years of the general fund. The gray lines are the budgeted revenue, with the green lines being budgeted expenditures. The blue lines are actual revenues against the, I guess we'll call it orangey-brown line, which are our actual expenditures. For 23-24, we are seeing very similar to the prior year um, with respect to both, with a slight growth in expenditures and um, in revenues, we will kind of flatten out is what we're looking at. So this is um, the one that we typically focus on long-term um, budgets and what we can ex anticipate over the next five years. Um, we've had this conversation a few times already when we talk about the fire um, station coming on board and the costs that are associated with that and what it does to our general fund. Um, but for the current year, what we're anticipating is that we will have an estimated fund balance at year end of about $103 million. Um, for the 23-24 fiscal year, with that additional 200, we will add that to that. And then we have um, a few expenditures that we're anticipating um, to come out of that for 
The line items in purple are items that are currently on the plan but are unfunded or they've been um, working toward them. They're currently in some phase of discovery or design and so they're budgeted in there as unfunded and potentially coming from the general fund. But as we get out to the fifth year out, 27, 28, you can see that our revenues or what we're estimating in revenues no longer support what we are anticipating in estimated expenditures. And that's predominantly led by the changes of adding the fire station and also of the um, MOU agreement that fire had and that affects us and trickles down to us. Um, it has a pretty dramatic effect after the five years to the ending general fund balance. We'll talk about that more um, on the next slide um, because what we wanted to show is if a 1% sales tax increase was passed, what would happen to that um, general fund balance? Everything on this slide is exactly the same as it was in the prior slide with the exception that in 25-26, I am adding the um, dollar amount that would be equivalent to the 1% sales tax, which is about $26 million. And so at the end of this um, scenario, our general fund balance would end up being about $82 million. So this goes back to the slide prior to the one that we just saw, where we're showing um, the growth in our revenue expenditures over the next five years, what we're forecasting. That red trend line is the um, general fund balance coming down. Um, it doesn't look as dramatic as the negative um, 11 million, or I'm sorry, the $1 million at the end of general fund at five years, but that's because this does not take the capital projects into consideration that we're listing there as potentially hitting the general fund. But this is what it looks like just based on operations. A little more on the revenue. So on the revenue side, we're anticipating or projecting for 22-23 to end up at about $80 million in revenue. Um, we've had some incredible uh, revenue income from our um, permits and fees this year. Um, as you can see in the subsequent year in 23-24, we're not projecting as many um, for next year, so that does have an effect on our bottom line. Um, but Basically, on sales tax, we are projecting the same number as we expect this year. For TOT, um, I'm not projecting as high or proposing as high for next year as we're projecting for 22-23. We have um, revenues in hand through February when I did this estimate, and through February only includes um, payments through January. The lion's share of our TOT is received in the last three or four months. And so I was just a little uncomfortable projecting high on TOT based on what we're seeing um, with the economy and just the fact that it's so far out. It would be 18 months from when these projections happen. So I kept the um, projections at equivalent to what we saw last year on top of what we've seen so far this year. We do see the increase in property tax that we're expecting. Um, the other thing that I would highlight is the transfers in. It does look high, higher this next year, um, but in actuality, it should have been about $1.2 million more than that. Um, and that is not this year, it, that is not going to happen in 23-24 because of the change to the cannabis tax. Um, 
I think that is the only other highlight I had on this page. So for 23-24, we are projecting 75 million, which would be a $4 million increase to what we budgeted last year. So this is the five-year history um, at a glance, um, just in a picture so you can see what that looks like. Um, sales tax, TOT, and property tax, as you know, are three top revenue generators. Um, TOT is fighting to take over first place with sales tax, but they're right hand in hand. Um, I believe that's all on this slide. Again, our top three revenue sources uh, with um, sales tax at the lead at 26 million, 8 million in property tax, and 23 or 21 projected next year for TOT. So when we talk about our sales tax, there are different categories that we receive sales tax from. And this is just a picture of what those categories look like. General retail still maintains the lead as far as what it brings into sales tax to the city with food products coming in second. Um, the main thing to highlight here is the difference between the county pool, which if you look at um, around pandemic times versus now, the growth is predominantly in what changed from people buying at brick and mortar to now purchasing from their homes. This is a sales tax revenue forecast that we received from Avenue, who is our consultant on sales tax. Um, this just shows a trend line with sales tax over the next few years. Um, for 23-24, they are projecting a 1.4% increase, which is why we flattened it out for next year. Um, just um, to be conscious of how those things change. Um, I will say when they gave this forecast to us last year, they had it going much higher, much quicker, and they were basing it off of how we were coming out of the pandemic, but now they believe everything has basically leveled off, and so our growth is more level. It's coming soon. I promise it's coming soon. <laughs> So this slide just shows our TOT year-to-date, year-over-year. As I had mentioned earlier, we definitely have a growth from 21-22 to 22-23. Our numbers were in through February, which is uh, the January receipts for the hotels. Um, I should say hotels and STRs. The hotels still make up the lion's share of the revenues that come in, but um, STRs are definitely growing at the same time. This again is just the collective for the year for each of the TOT sources, hotel and STRs. Um, the projections for 23-24 again are just slightly below just based on the timing of when we, we were doing the projections. So this is the bigger picture of what we looked at just a minute ago. Um, so the top portion is what I showed you on the financial forecast. The bottom portion there is our policy on reserving funds. And so one of the things um, Todd and I worked on this year was really focusing on what truly is necessary and important to be reserved um, and what is over-reserving based on the amount of deferred maintenance that we're seeing out on our, on our facilities. And um, 
So we looked at best practices with um, GFOA, which is the Government Finance Officers Association. And in their best practices, it indicated that cities should reserve about 16.7 or two months of the year um, for um, emergencies or any sort of rainy day fund. And our original policy says 25%. And in their um, best practices, it says either or, either, at, either off of expenditures or off of revenues. And what we've done is we've reserved for both. And so we thought it would be more prudent to reserve at the 16.7% using both the revenue and expenditure, because what typically you'll see with um, reserves is that a six-month policy is more comfortable, um, mostly because most of our revenue sources don't start filling up until about January. And so in order to cover that cash flow time, six months is just a really good um, comfort level typically. And so that's why we thought 16% of each of those made sense. Um, we left in the liability reserve because that's just one of those things that if it happens, we're going to need to pay it. Um, the other one we really looked at was the facility reserve. That number was substantial. And the facility, facility reserve is driven off of our replacement reserve study from 2018. And that study um, took all of our facilities and measured what they thought over the next 30 years would need to be replaced and said in each of these years um, you're going to need to expend this amount of money but reserve this amount of money to pay for it. What we learned is that over the last five years we reserved millions of dollars and um, the repairs that were required to be made per the study were just not made. And so what we've done is, if you'll look up at the top, there's a line that says deferred facility maintenance, and I've dropped it in as an expenditure. Um, the reason for that is we know we have a lot of deferred maintenance, and we need to catch up on it. And so what the policy says is once we've spent those monies, we do have to um, begin to replenish them. And so in 24-25, you can see I've added facility reserve deposit back in. Um, but what you can see here is without any additional revenue resources, we do hit a point where we cannot meet our policy. And that happens right around 25-26. All of the gray areas at the bottom are where we are not meeting our current policy. And so something does need to be done um, in order to ensure that we can take care of the programs that we have out there, the projects we have planned, and um, continue to keep the city in good uh, financial health. And although this is not a spot for questions, I can open it up if you'd like, because this is a very complicated matter to go through. The Two places, three places where you've indicated 16.7%, is that a change to the currently approved council policy? It is. It's what we um, took a look at this year and adjusted. In the policy, it gives the city manager the flexibility to adjust based on the needs of the city. And so we were exercising that in order to ensure that we were not being too um, overfunded. Um, but it is. It was based on the best practices for, from GFOA. So I'm still not, it would probably be helpful to redistribute to the council 
uh, the policy that we adopted so that we understand clearly what changes are within the scope of our prior approval okay. and what's being proposed to us as a policy change that we should agree to. Does that make sense? Yes, um, and although this is not a time for making decisions, I'll just voice personally some significant apprehension about 16.7%, uh, which may be a average over many jurisdictions. And I'm thinking about the fact that we have a very specific context where two-thirds of our revenue is highly sensitive uh, to fluctuations in tourism, as we just experienced. Um, so we have a specific context. And I, I personally will want to see this issue teed up uh, for decision making, not just buried in the budget someplace. Others? Yep, thank you. Actually, I second Mayor Kelly's concern about that. I would like to see that as well fleshed out a little more. Um, quick question about the permit fees, the big jump this year and then decline next year. Can you just flesh that out for me just a bit? Why it bumped up to nearly $5 million and then uh, kind of sinks again next year? Sure. I actually may have to lean on Richard for that because I do get that from his team. We, we had some larger projects that came in uh, this year, and we're just being a little bit conservative in what we're, what we're estimating for next year. Thank you, Madam Mayor. In looking over, um, if you can go to page 12 when we're looking at all of the um, unfunded requests, I'm concerned, again, as we look at the pace of how we are depleted, echoing the sentiment of my peers, is I would like to see, um, I know we've seen at different council meetings the pace and the projection, but I would like to see if there's a way maybe to slow down the pace so that we don't attack the reserves that, that we're looking at at such an aggressive pace. And I, what was the other section we were looking at? Um, yeah, pretty, pretty much the same, back to the same issue as we were looking on, on page 28. We've got substantial gaps, and I think we need to be a little bit more frugal because we don't know what's ahead. We, the pandemic took everyone by surprise, and I think it was, we, we can't assume that we're in the clear without knowing what could happen again, and we, we need to be a little more conservative. Thank you. Um. Two other quick questions. Um, the sales tax increase, the projection that you, you displayed, that takes into account, that's just status quo if we don't touch the 7.75%. Um, the increase that we showed on the second slide on the forecast? That one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that would be assuming we remain at 775, obviously not going to the 875. Proposed or there were increased. there were two versions. So the first one where I, I was looking at the graph. Sorry, I, I understand. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's just status quo. Perfect. Correct. Okay, got it. Just want to make sure. And um, 
some of that deferred maintenance in that most recent slide you had up, the deferred facility maintenance from, that we're pulling from reserves. Um, again, I'm only four months into this thing, but I think in conversations with Todd, I was led to believe that in past years, if we knew we had a deferred maintenance, we had a maintenance project that didn't get done, say there was a $4 million job that we said we're gonna fix up the skate park, whatever, just hypothetical. If that didn't get done, that $4 million then went and showed up on the reserve side as an asset, is that right? It depends on which fund it was in. Okay. But that was an accounting method that was used in past years to, even though we knew down the road there was gonna be some work that had to be done? So facilities maintenance is reserved out of the general fund. Um, and it is totally based on time, based on a projection by a consultant. So we take their numbers and we secure them knowing that they should be done that year and if they're not done, they're held there. And so all I, all I would do each year is reduce for what we actually did. And so we are carrying that balance. And I, Mayor, I have a question. Please. Yes, so uh, back to the slide with the 1% sales tax, if, if we approve it, is that, which one is that, but the 1%, where it, um, it shows that we're gonna start having surpluses, right, to cover all our expenses. Yes. Is, how did you factor in if, or if we have a recession and people stop spending money, what, what, what happens? Is, is that factored in at all? So the way we do that is um, I do not take the peaks and valleys. I just flatten out the growth. And so with revenues, typically it's about 2% is the, um, is the calm number that you take to increase each year. And so that's what you see after 25, 26, and actually prior to that is a 2% growth on revenue each year. Right. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. And so it's really hard to predict what happens beyond 2027, 2028, correct? We, we, we really don't know if the 1% sales tax is going to be sufficient in perpetuity, right? We'll just have to wait as and far see what the future holds. As far as um, revenues go, yes. But when we look at... Um, the known factors, fire, adding that station 102, we do know that it's gonna burden um, the general fund. And if we don't have some sort of revenue source, it will have an impact on fund balance. Mm -hmm. And do we, and that leads me to my next question. Um, in terms of, of the budget for the fire, it, how much are their costs increasing each year? I'm sorry, I missed the beginning of the question. How, how much are the costs associated with uh, fire increasing each year? So in the current year, we've already seen a $3 million increase, and that was since um, December. For 23-24, you'll see in the fire budget later, um, there's an additional $3 million increase that we're anticipating. Um, over the, each year, once we add 102, off the top of my head, I believe it was about $5 million net increase. But I'd have to look at it. I'm so sorry okay. I don't have it in front of me. We, we can just wait till we get to that part of the budget. And then my last question is regards to uh, the desert uh, surf resort that hopefully is going to come to fruition. That could potentially uh, add to our uh, revenue and sales tax, TOT, and, and other sources. So that's 
that that could be a, a, a bonus. Do you factor any future projects at all into this budget? I, I don't think you do based upon what, what I've read, but that could be a positive for the city if it all comes together. Absolutely. Um, until they're final, I don't include them in the projections. I didn't think so. I yeah. just um, uh, am very hopeful and optimistic. It's going to really help our, 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 our budget. Thank you. Yes. So we will likely be back to the council in June, July, um, changing this sheet in particular, if that comes through. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned to council the other day, uh, that, that initial incentive dollars based on what we're seeing could change the out years of this quite a bit in terms of our capital projects. So that's something that we're taking a look at. But this, th these projects um, are what we will use to either scale back or uh, supplant, or to scale back our expenses down the road if we actually got into a, into a recession. The point is, is just to show you what's sort of on the books, what we're planning for and trying to put uh, financial uh, solutions in place for you down the road. But any of that, uh, those bond dollars for that project, should something change as we bring it back to you in late May, uh, will have a definite impact uh, in terms of our recommendation on these projects. Um, could we go back to page 23? Yes. Could you remind me of the distinction between assigned and committed? in the reserve policy. I have to read it. I'm going to have to look at it. I can't think I of it. I feel so much better. <laughs> Thank you for that. Don't I'm feel so bad. Sorry. Don't feel bad. Um, <laughs> I've read it so you. many times. It's, it's not hard. coming to me. Okay, so I'll just put a little flag. Let me ask this question. Uh, do I recall correctly that the Operating reserve is essentially cash flow given variations in when the income arrives versus the emergency reserve, which is for a change in conditions that really undermines our revenue sources. That's correct. Okay. So uh, I'll just plant the thought that the 16.7% might be appropriate for the first, but not the second. In other words, because they serve very different purposes, the same percentage may not be right for both. We have a track record of what's necessary for cash flow. But the whole point of an emergency reserve is to prepare for the unknown, which is what makes us nervous about uh, cutting that. So just consider the possibility that the same number might not make sense for both. And just, a, just a little additional context on this slide as we were going through it. it, it Part of the reason uh, that you're seeing a fairly aggressive spend down of the deferred uh, facility maintenance dollars up there that we had reserved for was we're not sure it's the right number anymore. 
Uh, we've been reserving for five years and we may be well short of our facilities needs. So slowing it down is not an option for us right now because it could create an even bigger compounding problem down the road uh, where we're, we're, we're that much shorter. So that's part of what uh, Randy Chavis and his team are doing is just making sure that we're costing these things, that we've got the money to do what we need to do. We can certainly come back on the operating reserve. We wanted to have this policy um, discussion with you as far as what your comfort level is, partly because if we are talking about moving a 1% sales tax forward, A, we were reserving twice, right, on our facilities, we were reserving twice on the CIP. So when things aren't getting done, it was bloating our, uh, the perception for somebody just looking at the budget was that our, we were way over reserve, which really wasn't the case. We had built sink, uh, savings accounts there to fund these things. So we needed to clear that up. That's why we're taking a little bit more aggressive approach so you know where you really stand. And then once we have the ability to uh, to, provide, to kind of pull back the curtain there, it's really a decision on your end, where are you comfortable uh, with the reserves and, and defending those reserves if we're going to go to a sales tax election? So that's sort of the, the method behind all this. We hear lots about, we hear a lot of conversation that our reserves are too high, and I think Veronica and I've gotten the point that we just haven't been explaining them well enough. So that's, that's really the exercise today. So we appreciate the, the feedback, but uh, ratcheting back those, ex those expenses, in the, particularly in the reserves, the, C I mean the facility, but maybe the CIP we can do that. Facility, we definitely wouldn't recommend that. And if we got into a trouble, to Gina's point, uh, from a, uh, you know, a recessionary perspective, we may very well come back and say, should we slow down some of these capital projects where there's general fund dollars coming in? So that's sort of how it all works together. But this whole exercise has been to try to give you as good information as possible to make sure we know where your comfort level is as we're talking about this other issue uh, with trying to fund our operations in the out years. So it is complex. If there's questions that you have or other feedback, please let us hear it. Yeah, I think we appreciate the realistic treatment of the uh, facilities reserves and the CIP. Notice where you're getting pushback is someplace else. It's right. the emergency reserve. So We've definitely heard that. Okay. Uh, I think we can steam ahead. Oh, okay. excuse me. Um, <clears throat> questions regarding page 21. As you mentioned that the highest amount of TOT that came in was more in the winter months. I think it, from what I see, it entirely left off um, March and April which right. are some of the times that we get a lot of visitors. And I know that where we have a difference in the type of permits for STR, I think we should see at least some increase with our hotels. Is there a reason that those were left off entirely? Because what you're looking at here is our year to date. And at the time we only had collections through February. Our February, I'm sorry, our February, can't say the word. February um, collections from TOT come in in March. And so this um, slide was done in March. I apologize, I have not updated it since March. Um, and April's will not come in until May. Mm -hmm. So we should be getting them in soon. And how did that look like for 21-22? That's, I just kind of wanted to see the, the kind of peaks and valleys that are, that are there. Let me bring it back to you tomorrow and I'll have it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay. And I had another question that went back to echoing that I, I think it would be worthwhile if we have um, a list of those unfunded projects and the deferred maintenance so that we can see what is absolutely crucial. I understand there's a lot pending, but we can't just throw all the money at it because we've had it before. 
be here till six o'clock. I understand. Um, Todd, you mentioned earlier about clearing out the reserve, the building reserves quickly. Is that because you're hedging against uh, expected increase in building costs and construction costs, or 100 percent? Okay. Yeah, we we have seen no trade uh, where our costs are not escalating 20, 30, 40 percent. So. It, it's it's penny wise pound foolish to not invest in these buildings and get them up to speed. We may be very well back to you saying, okay, we've got 16 million reserved, we need 19. So that's part of what we're trying to do is get that information there, get the money invested where we have to and, and make sure we've got adequate dollars so these numbers are correct. But if we were in a different time, we probably could slow some of this stuff down, but based on the building costs we're seeing right now, it just, it, it, it's just not reasonable to do that. Got it. The one, other, the, one other, the one other point I wanted to make on the TOT, we've had some good questions on that. We're getting, I think, we're getting to a point where some of these deals that we're working on, if they, if they do help with the occupancy numbers, particularly in the shoulder se season, we'll, I think we can probably, uh, you know, maintain some, um, some momentum. I think our consultants, and we've heard this numerous times, is they're getting concerned that the average daily rates are getting so high they're just not sure that they're going to be sustainable. So I think that's the thing that she's really wrestling with and our consultants are concerned about is how long will these average daily rates be hovering where they are right now. So where sales tax is a little easier with the, with the inflation, you are getting you know, some additional benefit there, but on the TOT, it doesn't really work that way. It's how long will the market generate in some of our higher end rooms, you're seeing $1,000 ADRs during the season, that sort of thing, is that realistic? And so I think that's probably explains a little bit more of the conservative approach. Oh, don't worry. Well, uh, given your comments on the ADR, do we check with, let's say, the JW, because they are booked so far and out in advance, do we get that data from them to help us with these numbers? Um, so staff does reach out to the different hoteliers just to see what they're anticipating and um, see if it confirms what we're what we're looking at. Okay. Um, but again, with being so far out, it was just an uncomfortable idea to project out for months that we haven't seen yet for this current right. year. And and I'm not even looking at this year. I know that uh, the they changed their name, and I always forget, Visit Greater Palm Springs, our CVB. Mm -hmm. if we, we can just call it that for this conversation. It make my life easier. Um, they, they will give numbers. They'll project out. And it's not actually projection. They have contracts in place, these hotels, with so many room nights through the year. So I'm just wondering if we're using any of those. And, and granted, I, I prefer the conservative approach because those contracts can be canceled. But it is, uh, I think, relevant information for projections. I can tell you on the JW Marriott, we have used their numbers and projections. We're currently discussing with them a, a, a project to uh, expand the uh, conference center, and which would be a proposal back to you on TOT sharing. So they've actually just recently updated their forecast for us, and we've been able to at least do some internal verification that way. Great. Thank you. Steam. A hit. Absolutely. Um, so we'll jump into the general fund expenditures. So for 22-23 to 23-24, this is your breakdown by category. Um, there are a few areas where we've had some increases. Obviously, police services has a small increase. 
Um, you see a difference in salaries, and that predominantly has to do with our original budget in 22-23, and then the, the changes from the class and comp study and the um, increases that came after that. Um, in addition to the transfers out, you see an increase in transfers out. It's actually lower than what we're anticipating for the pool. The pool has a substantial increase next year, um, so that's why you see an increase there. Um, but other than that, most of it is just right along with a small increase um, with some um, decreases in certain areas to offset them. So overall, we have about a $4 million increase in expenditures in operations next year. And when we go to through the individual departments, they do know where their changes are and where their one-time expenditures are. This is just that same picture, but on a graph, that 28% is um, police services. Uh, the 11% represent salaries and professional services. And the 18% is not coming to me right now. 18% is salaries, I'm sorry. 11% is benefits and professional services. Those are the largest um, sections that you have there. And then transfers out at 12%. So then this is the same budget numbers. However, these are split up by department. Um, as you can see, it's a total overall increase of $4.1 million, as we mentioned earlier. And um, you will note that Capital Projects is a new project, a new uh, department. So it went from 0 to 1.7. You see a similar offset to Public Works um, for the changes on the, in that department. And um, then just the various changes throughout the other departments. I don't know if there's any other one that I would specifically note on here for you. So then this is the same graph representation by department, 28% being public safety, 12% being the transfers out, and the rest of them kind of just go from there. Questions? Transfers out includes the general's fund support for fire services. Correct. And about what portion of that is for fire services? Um, it's about half. Yeah. Okay. And we have it broken down on another slide coming up. On page 25, it lists software licenses, and I think it's, it's quite a jump from 167 to 1,244,000. So how deficient were we? And uh, is this an ongoing cost, or is that a one-time? Do we expect that to drop off after? So that is um, an ongoing cost, and the reason why there's such a big jump from one year to the next is because we used to um, pay for it out of a different account, um, we didn't have software licenses before nothing. Everything is online now. And so that's why that has changed. Previously, we would buy packages. And so it came as, I forget what we called it right now. Um, it was probably like an other supplies under uh, IT. I apologize for not having it in my brain. <laughs> but that's the, that's the increase. And then next year, um, he's projecting a decrease from 22-23 to 23-24. We will proceed. 
So next up, we have Desert Willow, and Derek White is here to present their budget. Good afternoon. I'm sure Veronica's happy to have a little bit of a breather. So happily go through the Desert Willow stuff with you all. Um, on this particular slide, I think that what you'll see is just the intended expenditures for the resort. Uh, obviously, on the expenditure side, this one's broken up by what we would consider the golf resort side and then the Palm Desert Recreational Facilities Corp. For any of you who are new, that entity holds the liquor license and then also tracks the food and beverage component. Um, so in terms of expenditures, obviously we've been impacted significantly by inflation, especially recently. Uh, we're also impacted dramatically by competition for labor in the Valley. Uh, I think we all know there was a huge labor shortage in 21-22. That shortage has continued 22-23, which is, of course, elevated market rates for various positions across the board. So ultimately, that's what you're seeing there. You're also going to see an increase in cost just based on the volumes of businesses that we've uh, increased over the last couple of years. So you'll start to see some increased costs there. Um, these are really just high-level numbers. Um, I don't know if there's any particular questions about this slide, but I think the next one probably tells the larger picture, right? Like, so then, you know, I know this does reference revenues, but doesn't really show the big picture of capital outlay and all of those kinds of things down to a net uh, cash flow or deficit. So I know we've been studying Desert Willow a lot in terms of looking at the resident programs, platinum card programs, and things like that. And so there will be a slide after this that's just probably review. Uh, I think that the concept here is that you know, Desert Willow and the golf industry in general have been through two years worth of huge boom. Uh, we've seen at Desert Willow alone two straight years of double-digit price increases. Uh, rounds have gone up significantly. We've now seen rounds start to plateau, if not decline, just slightly. Some of that may be weather-related. It's kind of hard to track, right? We've had kind of a cool and rainy year. And so the, what we anticipate from a big picture is that uh, revenues will start to plateau. Right, so we're gonna look at marginal inc increases and then um, on the expense side, we're still you know, watching inflation being incurred at a you know, record level. And so right now, we do anticipate that expenses as we continue forward will start to outpace those revenue growths and that basically we'll start to eat at the EBITDA or net income level that we're currently at. Um, so that's kind of a high level there. I think the other high level thing to note, which is also noted in the sidebar of that particular picture, is that uh, the 2023-2024 revenues have declined, but mostly because of the beginning of the Firecliff renovation. So ultimately we'll shut Firecliff down uh, probably by June 1st, and uh, of course we'll forego the revenue that normally comes from that that golf course being open all the way through the end of September. And so that's really why you're seeing a decline in revenue there. We are anticipating, you know, basically monthly increases of that 2%-ish um, for all the months that were, you know, comparable apples to apples. I think the other thing to note there, uh, that's all right. 
uh, is as we, you, you'll see that we've asked, actually included the capital improvement plan pro projects, and so you do get down to a net surplus or deficit uh, with that transfer in from capital reserves really there to cover the CIP component. Uh, Desert Willow does cover from operations at least probably $100,000 to $150,000 worth of CIP projects, but those are typically related to equipment, you know, that needs to be replaced, um, smaller type items with the city typically coming in and covering larger. I know that we do have some cash reserves, and maybe some of those cash reserves will be used for future projects, but, you know, that's something that we can discuss. So you will see kind of a general and really uh, somewhat similar to some of the previous slides you saw for the city is a decline of what we are anticipating in terms of cash flow. Uh, although each one of those years are still projected to remain cash flow positive from operations, but not necessarily from CIP uh, improvement costs. Um, I think that that covers it. Uh, Veronica, did you have any additions to that discussion? Not on this slide, no. All right. Thank you. We can briefly look at the next one. Again, these are uh, programs that we've had a lot of discussion about over the last six or, or eight weeks. And uh, there's really, I don't know if there's really much to talk about here since we've, we've covered it so much. Uh, the proposed changes, I think, you know, will um, be handled just the way that we talked about at the council meeting. And uh, one thing that we really didn't talk a lot about during that particular meeting was the summer VIP card. So just to highlight that, I think for like the last five or six years, we've been offering that summer VIP card to residents at no cost to them. Um, so that was a, a change that was made, I don't know, just it was before COVID, uh, but that is a benefit that's been given to, and that's usually lower than the resident rate, and that's why that 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 rate was given to those residents. So there is some additional benefits afforded to the residents in the summer that we weren't covering because that wasn't as mission critical as in-season access. I think that's the last of our slides. So if there's any questions or concerns. Looks like we had our crack at you recently. <laughs> this is true. So thank you for your very efficient presentation. You are welcome. So next up, we're going to have the Housing Authority Review. We pulled it out of order this year because we have a few um, conversations that we want to make sure we cover. And Jessica is going to present the budget. Hi, good afternoon. Jessica Gonzalez, Housing Manager with your Housing Division. The Housing Division operates and oversees the Palm Desert Housing Authority, its programs and successor functions. The, housing, the Division also administers the city's rent review and housing activities. Before you are the proposed Housing Division plan goals for fiscal year 23-24, primarily focusing on property disposition for affordable housing development, capital projects on deferred maintenance, updates to policies and procedures, including program guidelines. The Housing Authority is responsible for the administrative costs associated with operating the 15 Housing Authority rental properties, as well as other program functions, such as first-time home buyer subsidies. There are four accounts that cover the operation administrative cost. Today we are going to concentrate on the apartment operation fund, which is your third column on this summary.
Based on the actuals for the last 12 months, the anticipated rental income for 23-24 is 9 million, with expenditures anticipated at 7.3 million. Overall, projecting a positive net income of almost 1.7 million. The property's positive net income will fund the anticipated costs for the other housing programs, um, administrative costs, including staff salaries and funding the replacement reserve fund. At the end of the current fiscal year, the fund is anticipated at 18 million. With several capital projects in process this current year to address health and safety concerns, as well as priority projects planned for fiscal year 23-24, we anticipate a balance of 11 million of the fund. The Housing Authority has a finite amount of funds available and finds itself in, sorry. Um, and may find itself in a situation where subsequent projects in the future that are needed to be completed at the properties for deferred, for deferred maintenance or needed um, to address the needs of the properties may not be accomplished. This is a different decision that will need to be made and staff will bring that in the upcoming months to council for discussion. Next, a forecast of the Housing Authority Fund. The Housing Authority Asset Fund is part of the Housing Authority successor housing activity responsibilities. It is also a finite fund that is very restrictive and revenues anticipated for this fund is only from repayment of any loans um, provided to developers. Currently, the Housing Authority's estimated housing asset fund is 38.6 million. There have been three projects in the current 22-23 fiscal year um, that have been committed, and it brings the fund balance at 18.6 million at the end of the year. For fiscal year 23-24, with the disposition of several um, properties for the purpose of affordable housing development, it is anticipated financial project assistance may be needed for these projects. So, um, we anticipate that there will not be any more funds available after our Arc Village project, Sagecrest, 170-acre um, project, as well as uh, some infill at Portola Palms Mobile Home Park. I'm available to answer any questions. <laughs> It'll just be revenue from repayment of any loans on that fund. So, <laughs> so it, this was teed up as an opportunity for some choices, but I'm not seeing choices. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why I'm stymied. Where are the choices? I think the, the point today was to show you on the Housing Authority, um, Jessica and Veronica have worked closely together to put, just put into some perspective the investments that need to be made in our aging uh, assets. Uh, obviously, it's important to the quality of life of these folks that are, are renting from us, but the dollars are, are dwindling quickly. Um, we're, we're going to be bringing back some kind of a workshop in the next couple months uh, to talk through some of the options as it pertains to the operations here that you're seeing, how we might shore some of those things up. 
uh, and still make the necessary investments. It could require a transfer, could be different revenue streams. We need to give you some choices there, but we wanted to make sure you were looking at what we were looking at. Um, so putting it in this format, you know, allows us to communicate with you exactly what the position of the housing authority is and, and so you can see what we're, what we're concerned about. The next slide um, is equally as important because from time to time you get pressure from developers saying we need more incentive into a project and you hear Jessica and I say we can't do that without hurting another project or taking one off the books. That's what this slide is also meant to portray to you. Um, so. I, you know, this, this slide, although there are repayment revenue or streams as we're selling properties, they're not refilling the, uh, the fund quick enough to continue and sending other deals to help meet our RENA numbers. So two real important uh, things, we, we could certainly on, on the first uh, slide uh, inject, you know, transfer some revenue over from the general fund to help us out if we get into a pinch while we're looking at policy issues, but we wanted to communicate quickly to you what we're seeing happening as we are taking care of our um, all of the various complexes that we own and making some of those repairs. Uh, Jessica's done a nice job in terms of stretching the dollars along the years, but we're, we're st starting to see more health and safety related items pop up, which are two words we don't want to hear <laughs> uh, as a property owner. So um, this was really meant to, to communicate to you that we'll be back in the next 60 days as we're identifying all the various methods and, and options for you to consider in, in revising this plan moving forward. But we're obviously going to have to take some actions. All right, you have our interest. You succeeded, you succeeded in your mission. You have our interest, so we'll be eager to see those choices. Yeah. I just had a quick question. For Todd. Yes. Uh, Todd, the, the, the various revenue sources, I want to make sure I understand in about 60 days, you're going to present us the different revenue sources. They're just not identified yet. Yeah, we're going to be talking to you, bringing some potential solutions forward to you to, to help this sustain the housing authority fund, the one that you're looking at right now on your screen that we pay our operations and maintenance out of. The other, in order to, which is largely derived from our rent, rental income that we see, we've got a couple of ideas that we're researching right now, uh, but we're going to need some feedback from you most likely in June or July uh, as we're researching those options. The next slide that you see in terms of um, the, how we're actually funding and incenting affordable housing deals, uh, we just wanted this on the record for you. So if, as you get questions, you understand what we're doing, why we're setting money aside for other projects, and that after the next two or three projects, this fund is tapped as well. Um, it's, only, it's only seeing income of a few hundred thousand dollars a year, and we've got developers coming in seeking four, five, six million dollars per deal. So they're just policy issues we're going to have to deal with. I think down the road, we're probably going to be looking at some kind of a one-time transfer to help one of these funds. Uh, but we will come up with a list of options for you to kick around in July as we can, we do have time to solve these issues. Um, I just always want to give you as much advance notice as possible so when you're seeing us answering questions, you understand why we're taking the positions we are. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. This is very comprehensive and very helpful to look at the different properties and to highlight that we do have a lot to, to maintain. And getting down to the nitty-gritty and thinking of some of our overall goals of maintaining um, 
water-wise and environmental uh, concerns, I did go through and look at the numbers that I think between um, our housing and President's Plaza, we're spending about a quarter million dollars in water and electricity. I was wondering if in the future, as we look at some of these upgrades, would it be possible to look at turf reduction to help overall in the long run reduce the, the water and all of the costs that can come with it? I can provide a, just a quick comment to that. Um, we actually have been doing a number of uh, turf reduction at um, different areas within the property, especially our larger ones, such as Juan Cuello and Las Arenas. We have reduced that. Unfortunately, the increase has been due to the rate increases that we have had. Thank you, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So if I can put this in kind of a Cliff Notes version for myself. Um, right now we're in kind of renovation and building phase. We're renovating old properties, building a couple new, new ones, which is putting us in a deficit. But if you look, we're still, the revenue stream is still positive cash flow every year. So how come we can't backfill? We're still looking at negative fund balances uh, on these funds. It, the, this fund has been set up, it's somewhat similar to Desert Willow. It's set up to be a self-sustaining fund and as you can see, you're correct on the you're correct at the operations and maintenance expenses are in the in the positive. It's the investment in the actual facilities which is pulling the fund down. So you know what what you're seeing over the next two or three years are, are several million dollars in drawdowns to take care of all these various properties that we we own. So it's one thing having the income. It's another thing, we, we don't have in the public sector the ability to create revenue streams through depreciation. We have to pay cash for that. And so that's what you're seeing here in being communicated to you is we're, not, we're clearly not sustaining ourselves in terms of being able to take care of them. We can handle the, op the ongoing maintenance and staffing, those types of things, but it's not, it's not handling the necessary investment as several of these projects are starting to get aged and we've, and we've got some significant investments that have to be made. And if I could jump in really quick, just for some additional context, on the Housing Authority properties, they have never sustained themselves as far as capital goes. We always had the housing set-aside fund to do those capital improvements with the dissolution of redevelopment. These are the effects of that. And also with the housing asset fund, that's also the effects of the dissolution. And so that 38 million that you see at the end of 22-23, although it's kind of, um, uh, difficult to see it go so quickly, we are required to spend it quickly. Are there any additional questions? Let's test our ability to take a seven minute break. Seven minutes. Okay. Thank you, Mayor. I will, at 10 after. Okay, um, because I promised Anthony that I would make note of any changes that I made to the presentation and I neglected to do that. On page 38 when we were talking about the Housing of Fund cash snap snapshot, um, I did make a change on that schedule at the bottom. It previously said estimated general fund balance and that's obviously not the general fund, it's just fund balance. So there you go. 
obviously. <laughs> um, so next we'll get into the general fund. We're gonna start with organizational framework and then we'll get into the department updates. Again, the detailed um, budget line items start on page 13 of your packet. This is our current organizational chart. Um, as you can see here, we have all the divisions broken up and the departments um, below them and you will hear from each of these people over the next couple of days. Between 22-23 and 23-24, we have an increase of nine um, full-time employees. Five of those staff people are currently, or I should say five of those positions are currently vacant and will only be filled um, depending on need. The note at the bottom of this page is just for your um, information when we go through the next departmental pages. Any that are in blue represent general fund accounts and anything in black is gonna be a special fund account. And those ones are restricted. So every year at the back of the um, budget staff report, we have the request for out-of-state travel. Um, those requests are highlighted here that we've received from all the various departments and divisions. And this is what we're anticipating for 23-24 to provide to staff. Next, we'll start off with the city manager's office, and Chris Escobedo is gonna take this one. Thank you, Veronica, Mayor and Council. Uh, some of the initiatives for next year are, are focused on advancing council goals, continuing to enhance the organizational culture here, and further refining service levels. Um, on the cost containment side, we're continuing to evaluate our contracts with the county or other contract staff to be able to provide savings and enhance service level. Next slide. The city manager's office budget is largely the same as last year. The most notable changes are, are listed under community safety. We're proposing to spend $50,000 next fiscal year on continuing to uh, enhance the emergency operations center and begin stocking up on emergency services supplies. In addition, we've been working with finance to uh, put all the homelessness related expenditures into one area. So they'll be shown here for tracking purposes. But essentially, those are the two major cost factors for next fiscal year. Next slide. Before we move on, I have one more noted change. The $100,000 under homelessness was previously listed under supplies, and I have had to move it to professional services. It actually is professional services. So next up from the CMO's office, we have Andrea, who will present human resources. Good afternoon. I am here, Andrea Staley, the HR manager here for the city. Some initiatives that we're going to be working on this next year include the MOU that we're currently in negotiations with our employee group. We're going to continue our professional development efforts by um, finishing our current employees with PDU. Um, we're going to have a PDU 1. We're going to start a, a supervisor's academy. And all of these different professional development opportunities um, are cost containment measures in order to not only retain our current employees to promote within, but also to um, provide education and information to reduce our liability. 
We'll also be working on special projects such as our policies and procedures and our FS FLSA standards. Um, we have taken risk back and we are taking a more proactive approach also to reduce claims in the future. Next slide, please. Excuse me? Uh, that's the that exempt, non-exempt overtime, all those different um, pieces as it relates to employment positions. So our um, we have an increase this year, uh, largely related to we do have an increase of employees within the last couple of years. So our professional development services, our employee recognition, our supplies, even our professional services has increased in order to um, really grow and develop our employees and reduce our liability. So with that, that concludes my portion. Next up, we have Anthony who will present the city clerk's budget. Yeah, for the city clerk's office, our next year is gonna be focusing on the potential redistricting process as well as the potential sales tax measure. Uh, also completing the transition of appointed body recording secretary duties within the city clerk's office. And that's obviously, or not obviously, but that's for uh, consistency in the Brown Act process and ensuring the meetings are conducted in a consistent manner. And then to establish an onboarding and regular training program for our appointed body members. And then for cost containment, we're focused on implementing new softwares that will help uh, both enhance our services, but also uh, contain our cost. And some of those software include uh, NetFile, which uh, relates to Form 700, GovQA for public records request, and eScribe for agenda management. And then uh, largely our budget is uh, pretty flat. Uh, one notable change would be our um, uh, related to our training for our employees. Uh, we have a relatively uh, a fresh new staff uh, that needs to get certified in, in municipal clerking. And so uh, we'll be sending them to some offsite trainings. So now we can break for questions if you'd like on any of those budgets. I just have a, a note and I appreciate all this information if we could in the budgets and we have salaries it doesn't say how many positions now I know we have it overall in a different slide but I think it would be helpful if we had that in there, this as a column I can add them to that page they are actually on the preceding page at the very top I and and I know that I just think okay. it would be helpful to have it next to okay it. that's thank you When we're looking at the different professional development, the, the item is stated, um, but I remember recently at one of the committee meetings, it specified that staff would be traveling to different events or out of state. Does that come out of the fund for that committee or does this come out of general? I'm not sure I understood the question. For example, at the, I think it was at the um, Cultural Arts Committee, we were looking at approving or looking at the fund, so it allotted, for example, $6,000 for staff travel. Does that come out of any of the funding from general, or does it come from, for example, the art fund or the cultural resources? So I believe with art in and of itself, we've decided that everything would come from general fund with regards to operations because of how that fund is set up and distinct. Um, but where there are opportunities not to hit the general fund or to use a special fund, we obviously would use that. But in most cases, any sort of staff development comes out of their department, uh, department budgets under the general fund. Thank you. You're welcome. 
So next up, we have Eric Seha with the Economic Development Department. Uh, good afternoon, City Council. Um, <clears throat> our budget reflects uh, some changes uh, based on the structure of economic development. So in your salaries and benefits, you'll see that uh, we added a special programs division was folded, folded into economic development. But really, our major initiatives this next year are to accomplish your goals related to the malls redevelopment, continuing to engage uh, CSU and that system to ensure that there's funding uh, for the new Palm Desert campus. Uh, we've kind of pivoted again based on some of your comments around annexation, are really starting to study the north um, part of the city and how we can uh, look at different uses for that area. We're in the midst of our broadband master plan, and of course we're also looking at selling a number of properties through our surplus land act process. So. Right now, really, our cost containment measures have to do with some of the contracts that we use to make sure that we're uh, specifically engaged with uh, merchants along El Paseo um, and that we're marketing the city appropriately. All right. I mentioned here that uh, we had an increase in salaries, again, to reflect the special uh, programs division being folded into economic development, and you'll see another increase for some of our other um, operations. We had a discussion re recently on iHub and how that will operate. Um, and then with some of our other buildings and leases, uh, there's some other uh, funds that need to be expended there. Our professional services budget, which I think is shown on the next slide, the line item. Oh, I'll pull back then. So if you go back, our professional services budget has increased to 460, and again, that is to uh, go out and find the professional services needed to accomplish your goals for special studies around the mall, as well as business recruitment. Okay, with that, we'll ask Thomas Soule to come up and present on public affairs. Good afternoon, I'm Thomas Soule, your Public Affairs Manager. Um, you'll see from the chart that some of the major initiatives that we'll be pursuing with Public Affairs in the coming fiscal year include supporting the 50th anniversary events uh, with local advertising. Uh, we have a goal of increasing the city's reach by growing our email list and social media audiences as we've been expanding those channels. Um, we'd also like to refresh the tourism ad campaign based on market research findings that we did this year. Um, in the market research that we did, we identified some gaps in images and storytelling that would help enhance our campaign. And so uh, we're wanting to refresh the campaign a bit to help support those findings. We want to focus on continuing the hotel co-op program to support off-season occupancy. This is a program that we do with local hotels to support um, convention and meeting business in the off season, so it's during what they call their need periods, times when our occupancy is low and our rates are low, but to help build up business and drive TOT in times when we otherwise wouldn't be getting it. And then uh, we want to enhance our website presence. We want to clean up the web documents. We have a lot of uh, clutter behind the scenes on our website. Uh, we're also working on making those uh, friendlier to multiple users, so putting in keywords, uh, really helping to optimize those documents and enhancing the search engine optimization. And then um, we've also been working with the marketing committee to help pilot a new economic development ad campaign to help drive revenue. We had the discussion earlier about concerns about revenue going forward. So we're looking at some innovative ways and new audiences that we might be able to reach to help pull to Palm Desert to increase sales tax and TOT. 
and, and things like that. Um, cost containment, we are working on transferring all of our vendors to electronic funds transfers to help just smooth out that process and, and save uh, staff time for one thing. And then uh, we worked on the budget to help save money in certain areas so that the increases that are requested would uh, be less impactful to the budget. So the differences that you'll see this year uh, over last year pretty much relate to those things. There's a, a $20,000 ask for the 50th anniversary to help support that. That's in addition to any uh, funds for the actual events themselves. This would be for advertising to help make sure that the community knows what's happening. The brand refresh, um, $120,000 to help capture the new content and images refresh it. Typically we would uh, redo the entire campaign ever, every two to three years. And this one we haven't we haven't touched it really since 2019, but because we were interrupted with COVID and um, the messaging still has legs, we don't see that we need to do that, but we'd just like to update it, as I mentioned, in conjunction with that research. Um, the hotel co-ops, typically in a year, we would request $100,000 for that, but for this coming fiscal year, we've already committed $155,000 with the JW specifically. Um, so that if the business actualizes, that would come to $155,000. That program is unique because we generally require that it has at least a 25% ROI for the city. So we're getting back that much money plus, and, and that's the minimum that we go for. Typically, we get up to 300% back for the money that we're, we're using for that. So it's a, it's a pretty solid program for the, the uh, business. And then uh, the new economic development advertising pilot project uh, would be $150,000. And I'm happy to answer any questions about that section if you have any. Okay. Thank you, Madam Mayor. What is a, a general little blip of what the advertising pilot is? And before that, thank you so much for looking at the website. Um, I, I've seen it as it's very friendly for staff to refer someone how to get there, but for the end user, it's just kind of overwhelming to find that. So I, I greatly appreciate taking that opportunity and just want to toss in there that um, it's not always as friendly when you're viewing, viewing it from a mobile version and the font can also be a little small. So just the extra plug for ADA to make it a little bigger. Yeah, we run into some problems. We've been working on that quite a bit, especially in terms of ADA. Um, because it's a government website, there's a lot of requirements um, that are surprising in terms of security to make it secure. And we, we, we share your concerns completely um, because part of our goal is to make it as friendly to all of our residents as possible while maintaining the security and all of that. So we've been, we've been dancing that line uh, quite a bit. We're working on that to see if we can continue to improve it. And in terms of the economic development ad program, the marketing committee has been tossing around a few ideas about that. We're, we're sort of thinking that probably what we'll investigate is advertising more in the Inland Empire. We know that we have a lot of folks there who come out here for different shopping things, certainly for events with AccraSure Arena. So how can we capture more of that business, invite them to stay, dine, and shop while they're here? And before we move on to special programs, I just want to thank Thomas for adding the cost containment measure of transitioning vendors to EFT. That's a huge savings to the city as well, and it makes their payments more secure. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Mm -hmm. um, so for special programs, if we could have Amy come up.
Move it back down. Um, honorable, honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, I'm Amy Lawrence, Deputy Director of Economic Development, and I'm here to talk to you about special programs. So our major initiatives for 2023-2024 are going to be to commission artwork for Discover Palm Desert and restoration of aging artworks, as we have several of those currently. Um, specifically, we're gonna be working on the Rose Garden uh, here in the Civic Center Park. Um, community engagement through public art, art, we will be working with Flat Black um, Art Supply on uh, community programs with children and seniors. Um, we're gonna be planning and executing the city's 50th anniversary celebration, very exciting. Uh, continue to implement SB 1383 programs such as edible food recovery, uh, compost and paper procurement, record keeping, uh, public outreach and enforcement, which needs to start in 2024, and then oversee implementation of the environmental initiatives plan. Cost containment measures are to utilize grant funding and also seek out grant funding for um, implementation of SB 1383 programs. Next slide. So as you can see, for the Art and Public Places budget, we do have um, a decrease this year, and the prior year budget you can see um, was quite a bit more, and that's because this is an off year for El Paseo. Uh, we installed the uh, exhibition last year, so you'll see that kind of ebb and flow each year. Um, the capital uh, projects budget will reflect um, $150,000 for Discover Palm Desert artwork that we've set aside. We will be uh, working um, with uh, the Cultural Arts Committee to determine uh, what sort of artwork we would like to see there and uh, probably uh, put together a call for entries um, for that. And then uh, phase two roundabout sculpture, we're looking to bring that back to city council for uh, consideration. And then we have a few other things that we're looking at. Um, again, restoration of artwork, we've set funding aside for that. Um, for the recycle fund, the, um, decre the uh, decrease in that cost, that budget from last year is as a result of the consultant contract as we did finalize the negotiations with um, Burtec. So that was a success last year. Um, we can move over to city-produced spe uh, special events. Uh, we can go over that budget in the next slide, but the courtesy cart, I'd like to point out that new contract, the increase in that contract is due to a rate increase and also the need to uh, replace the garages at the uh, gardens on El Paseo. Next slide. So we have the proposed community events this year, the city-produced events. Um, the golf cart parade, we typically uh, set aside $5,000 for one float. Uh, the idea is to uh, have the city produce five floats this year in conjunction with the city's 50th anniversary. These are the floats that the courtyard and city staff work on. And so we're requesting $15,000. The Independence Day celebration, we increased that budget $5,000. Um, that extra $5,000 went towards a grand finale, a grander finale, I'd say, for the 4th of July fireworks. Um, the spring and fall concerts increased by 10,000 because we do have an extra concert in the in October, five Thursdays in October of 2024. Um, or is that May? 
either way, um, Veterans Day ceremony, uh, 11,000, the increase of rental fees as everything, uh, all the prices have gone up. Um, we did set aside $70,000 for the 50th anniversary block party. However, I want to say that we are putting out a request for qualifications for a consultant. So we may be coming back for a request for appropriation on that. Um, miscellaneous is 12,500. That's a decrease. And then San Pablo opening event last year. Obviously we had that. So there's no finding there and I can answer any questions. Thank you, Amy. Excellent. Um, when you talk about going out to a consultant for the 50th anniversary, in other words, have somebody help plan. Yes. Okay. Got it. That sounds That's good. That's the idea. Go from in-house to a little outside help. Cool. Uh, number two was, I know in conversations I've had with Todd in the past, we, there was some money that the city gave to the high school that they could do use for extracurricular activities and things. I don't think that would fall under this budget, or what does that money come from? Contributions. Terrific. That's coming up. Terrific. Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. oh, thank you. Okay, so I do have a, a question because you, you talk on, on page, I guess it's packet page 167, at the city's 50th anniversary celebration. Then we go on to 169, and it says block party. Those are separate events, different events? I'm not sure what are they, the block party and. Is this in the detailed budget? Is that where you're looking? I believe it's the same thing. Okay. The anniversary celebration and block party, I think they're interchangeable. I don't think we've determined a, a name for it. Then let's not call it a block party because once you write it, it starts. It, I agree, one hundred percent. True, right? I'm calling it an anniversary celebration. Thank so. you, uh, <laughs> because I'm looking at that, thinking, you know, swing and hops yes. cost more than that. Yeah, this no, is I'm, our this is our one chance for a fifty. Absolutely, anniversary. in okay. in the request for qualifications, I believe it's an anniversary celebration. Oh, We're good. not calling it a block party. I, and I and I'll confirm it. that. Okay, great, because I look at it, and when we heard uh, from Thomas about hitting those new markets, mm -hmm. this is an opportunity to do that. So I just want to make sure that we make the statement that needs to be made about Palm Desert. Definitely. Thank, Thank you. you. I have a, a question also on, on the same anniversary <laughs> celebration. Um, I, I think that, again, even if we don't call it a block party, we had a lot of positive feedback from residents when we had the unveiling of, of the roundabouts and it was a great opportunity. So I'm hoping that it'll be that kind of a vibrant event again that will draw people from not only the Coachella Valley but all of the folks that are from outside of the area to come see that growing. There's also been um, questions from the Historical Society to find out to what extent they will be a part of it, not only for their own organization, but I would hope that in the, um, the RFP that there would be some sort of collaboration, some little window for them to bring in some of those historical elements. <laughs> okay, spectacular, thank you. Is there anything else? I'm sorry to keep walking away. <laughs> Am I good? Okay, all right. Okay, well, we'll jump right into the finance presentation as soon as I push the page forward. 
Um, so our major initiatives for 23-24, we want to continue to the use of our PEAK team to identify issues and streamline processes. Our PEAK team is just um, a group of our internal staff members that are just looking at everything we're doing in finance and telling us, you know, these are the ideas we have to make things better and faster. Um, they've done a great job so far and we'd like to continue to push them to do that. Um, we're going to continue efforts to improve reporting from our ERP system. Um, we're discovering that the system potentially isn't so antiquated, it's just the way it was um, assembled. And so we're doing things right now to make it better and see how that works out. And then next year we'll decide whether or not we need to go back out for a new system. Um, we are focusing on CIP first because that has the biggest impact. Um, and then we're going to continue to work on the use of OpenGov for budget information that's more easily understood. Um, we are creating dashboards currently for everyone. We are also creating um, CIP list dashboards and looking at what we can use to push things out in a better picture to the public as well. Um, we will be developing RFPs for auditing services. I would like to update the reserve study, which is now five years old and potentially the system services, which um, we just mentioned before. Um, we're gonna, we will continue to update our finance policies. As you've seen, we've brought about four or five to you this year, and we wanna continue looking at what we have and actually bring new ones to you as well. Um, we are also still hoping to get to our performance metrics program through for the CIP projects. Um, this is something that we've kind of had to put on the back burner while we get through reviewing the ERP system and what is not functioning properly for us, but it's definitely something on the horizon. As far as cost containment measures, um, we are continuing to simplify our processes. Um, as you saw last week, or we brought the purchasing policy to you in hopes that that would simplify things for staff to create better efficiencies and economies of scale for people to get their work done. Um, and just also continued cross-training of staff. That is something that um, kind of fell by the wayside and post-COVID we realized how much it had fallen. Um, and with all the departures in finance, we realized that there was a gap that we need to fill there. So as far as our budgets go, the major increase in the finance column is going to be salaries. Um, I have transitioned the um, purchasing staff who were previously listed under general services just under finance so that we could um, make better use of the team. And then um, as far as general services, you see a pretty good um, decrease. And um, that's related to uh, the cost that we had associated with the class and comp study that we don't have this year. Um, you will also note under general services, we have a line item specifically for city council goals. And that's just intended for any feasibility studies, any cost studies that are associated with the goals that come up at the beginning of the year that really don't have a home. So that was the intent of that budget line item. Um, independent audit is the same. And then contributions, which is what you were asking about earlier, Evan, that's where we have um, all of our outside agency funding and also our um, Amy's, our programs that are uh, city-sponsored. Um, the one increase I will note there is the CVB funding. Last year we only had about 300,000 that we estimated and for next year um, we are estimating 425 for their portion. So I'll ask Amy to come back up and talk about the sponsored events.
And I'm back. So um, I'm not sure how you'd like me to do this, if you'd like me to go down line by line, or if you would just like to ask questions. Um, specifically, um, I can tell you that um, this is an application program that we put out on, on our website. Anybody that's requested funding, we ask them to apply for it. We give them a deadline and they submit their request for funding. And as you can see, um, for instance, their requests, um, let's find one. Um, Palm Desert Senior Games, for instance, they uh, requested 19,800. The recommendation is 15,000. Um, you can see down at all the 5Ks, um, we, some of them requested, Thanksgiving 5K requested 10,000. We have a policy where all of the 5Ks, we give them 2,500, just to be fair across the board. Um, if you can see a few like the USA's Women's Half Marathon, Street, Gather at the Gardens, um, Palm Desert, um, weekend, we, it's a, the weekend market. Um, those ones were not, they didn't request funding. So anything that's zero, it looks like they didn't request funding this fiscal year. And so the bottom portion, midway down on the second column is table sponsorships. So again, I'd be happy to answer any questions if you'd. I, I have a question, Amy. Yes. So, okay, I'm looking at your chart and I'm scrolling down and, the, and I, the first one I come to is El Paseo Cruise Night. They requested 7,500, but then I, when I move to the right column, it says zero. And I believe that the reason why we didn't um, recommend funding is because that was for, uh, we already, uh, um, that, I think it was Veterans Day. Um, they requested that funding for a Veterans Day event and we already hold a Veterans Day event. So it okay, wasn't for sense. cruise night specifically, it was for a Veterans Day event. Okay, and then the Desert Sands Educational Foundation Chili Dog Golf Tournament event, they requested, but we So the actual, I can when tell you. When I say we, I'm, you, you, know, you guys decided no. So the, um, the Desert Sands Educational Foundation Chili Dog Golf Tournament event, um, they requested $2,500. We didn't recommend funding. My understanding is that that event was held in a different city last year. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not asking us to turn back to this. But within the actual budget itself, on page 76 of the agenda packet, our contributions to the schools are reflected um, at $10,000 per school uh, via MOU. And Veronica, that's not here, but where does that show up in the summary presentation? So you have a couple line items for the schools. You have the after-school programs at $150,000, and that is Lincoln and um, the middle school. And then the other one is under school contributions. You'll see 59555 yeah. Great. I just wanted to follow up. <laughs> 
Continuing on the um, education component, I'd seen it in, in one part, I'm not gonna try to dig up and find out where it is. I think that we had funded, um, Todd, if you can refresh my memory, half of a re resource officer for Palm Desert High, and then later conversation that the same for Palm Desert Charter. That's correct. Uh, we're, I think Chris is still working on the MOU with them, uh, which we'll bring forward, and the, the accompanying financing though is in the police budget, is that right? That's correct. It's listed under the police budget. Okay, perfect. But even in the police budget, I think I only saw the one for Palm Desert. I don't think I saw the one for PDCMS, so we'll, I hope that we'll be getting an update once that is um, finalized. And then my question for Miss Amy is, what is the Frosty Fest? Um, the Frosty Fest is a winter festival at the Civic Center Park. <laughs> Sorry, I had to look at my... <laughs> I think I'm getting the answers right, so. I just saw a big jump in the golf cart sponsorship. I'm assuming that's because we're going the Golden Jubilee special. Yes, absolutely. Doubles. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Perfect. Is the 50th anniversary. Going from 15 to And 60, we've, we've asked them to really uh, step it up for the 50th anniversary. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions? Turning around. Thank you. I kind of skipped right over it. As far as the contributions, the outside agency committee will be meeting at the end of May and we'll be going through all of the applications that we've received and uh, we'll be making a recommendation to council following that meeting. So next up, normally I would call Clay to the board, um, but he is, um, operating this whole function for us. So I will read off for him. Um, their major initiatives next year are increased use of GIS tools by staff through the launch of Cartograph, the asset management solution, and increased training on Esri, um, which is our mapping system, but it does so much more than that. Um, they're gonna be implementing cybersecurity and business continuity recommendations from their consultant reviews and then continue to assist finance with preparation for ERP replacement or relaunch, um, including streamlining our current solutions. Um, as far as cost containment, the expectation is to continue to provide departments access to information on currently owned software packages and their capabilities to determine if their needs can be met prior to outsourcing. His budget is pretty flat. Um, he does have some one-time costs for the cloud DR solution, um, firewall and high for high availability, and um, consultant services for cyber policies. So the last um, budget that I have for you are our, our other by category, city attorney costs, legal special services, insurance, interfund transfers, and unemployment. Everything is relatively the same with a slight growth on it, with the exception of interfund transfers. There you see the breakdown at the bottom with fire fund um, being supported with $4.6 million next year. The aquatic center um, being supported at 2.9, and the rest um, just fall into place with what we expected from last year. So are there any questions on that portion? I don't see any. Did you have any questions, Councilmember Nostante? No, Mayor, I do not. Thank you. 
Okay. I think we're good. Okay. So I wanted to open it up. We are finished pretty early. Um, we can move on and look at police and fire if you'd like, or we can wait till tomorrow. It's totally up to you. Anyone have a strong, I, it looks like what's up next is capital projects. It is, we would take police and fire out of order. We just think that um, capital projects needs to be a good amount of time for you to sure. take a look at. About how long do you think police and fire will take? The police presentation is gonna be the same one as last Thursday's council meeting, so we can go through that pretty quickly, and then fire would, would take the bulk of the time. Let's do it. So that's on uh, 74 of the presentation. Is just to briefly repeat what we went over last Thursday, the major initiatives for next fiscal year are the deployment of phase two of the ALPR system, addition of the school resource officer at the Pump Desert Charter Middle School, and traffic enforcement. What we're seeing and anticipating for next fiscal year, when you add up the contract rate increase, SRO and ALPR phase two, we're just about half a million dollar increase for next fiscal year for police services. This slide here shows the detailed line items of all the cost factors related to that number. Here briefly is the historical average of the contract rate increase. Again, uh, this current year, we're trending lower than the average and next fiscal year, we're projecting lower than the average. Here's a summation of the direct contract supported positions at the dedicated service levels, and then all the other indirect support that we get by contracting with the Sheriff's Department. The major cost factor for next year has been using technology to keep staff levels flat and also help enhance the officer's time uh, with that tool. The other part has been to reallocate our current CSOs uh, to different specialized activities to support uh, service needs. We have the next couple slides here that are a uh, repetition from the update from Lieutenant Willison. Uh, the, in, bless you. Uh, in response to one of the questions, we included it in the weekly report, which is the increase in burglar, burglar activity was a one-time increase in that month. And so we don't see it uh, being a historical trend, but we'll continue to monitor that. Uh, going forward, a uh, big key has been to uh, work with the lieutenant to dig through the numbers as well as have meaningful metrics so that we can see the performance of the contract. So we'll be working next year to establish those met metrics, uh, provide enhanced reporting both to the uh, Public Safety Committee and City Council. And then our goal is also to position the city uh, for the upcoming contract negotiations as we renew with the Sheriff's Department. So with that, that concludes my presentation. Well, we just had our crack at questions on Thursday, so anything new? I would like to clarify that I had gotten it switched, so yes, I saw PDCMS, but didn't see Palm Desert High School in this component, so just to clarify and appreciate that we are contributing to the school safety by um, 
sharing the cost with the, the, the resource officer. I think the only thing to add is we did have a question at the Public Safety Commission about how will the current budget and the, the recent negotiations affect the contract moving forward. Uh, as Chris mentioned, uh, we really were negotiating the next extension with them, uh, which is what took a, a while. Um, I think the ALPR is, um, the idea is by moving the staffing around and investing in the ALPR, that should contain our costs moving forward. So absent us um, seeing some new trends or uh, learning any new information, my guess is that you'll see this budget in large part brought back next year uh, if things work out the way we are, along with another three-year contract extension proposal. So that's how it all ties together. Very good. Let's think about fire. Okay, for the fire budget, Martine will take the lead on this, and I will provide him some backup. Good afternoon, Mayor, members of City Council. Uh, we want to go through and uh, identify the major initiatives for fiscal year 23-24. Um, as you know, we're under the design for the construction of Fire Station 102, um, and we're currently going through a full assessment um, to see whether we can rehabilitate or reconstruct future Fire Stations 33, which is on Town Center, and Fire Station 71, which is on Country Club in Portola. Um, we also will be reviewing our current fee schedule for emergency medical service cost recovery. Um, and we will continue to address, as we've talked about before, any deferred maintenance on our facilities, which is going to be a big uh, initiative this year. Um, we're also going to be, uh, in terms of cost containment measures, we're going to be looking at all of our retrofits that are going to be planned and up updated to try to achieve a 70% reduction in energy use uh, in our projects. Next slide. Uh, this is the budget proposed uh, for the fire department. Um, as you can see, there is a, a increase uh, that we've discussed before in terms of um, salaries, primarily. Uh, the salaries are uh, increases are a result of the MOU that recently has been approved that increases salary benefits um, and also reduces some, some overtime uh, restrictions for the fire department. Um, all the other items there um, are, are pretty straightforward. Uh, we will note that the $4.2 million in capital improvements are broken down for uh, 1.165, which would be for uh, next year's uh, facility upgrades and capital improvements, um, and the 3.4 million, which is a county contribution for the future construction of Fire Station 102. Next so one. earlier I had mentioned that the difference between 22-23 operations and 23-24 on the fire station was about $3 million. Um, right here, you can see there's a $7 million difference, and that difference is what he's talking about. It's actually for the fire truck that they're contributing. Um, and then FF&E, about $900,000 between the, um, I'm sorry, 900000 for the FF&E total. It's about $3.4 million. And so that's the difference that you see between the 17 and the 24, just to clarify. And I'm going to turn this over to Veronica. Okay. So... Um, this is the breakdown of how FIRE is funded. At the top, you have the expenditures, the various expenditures that we have. The top line, FIRE EMS Cooperative Service Agreement, that is just general FIRE services. Um, 22-23, we're anticipating the expenditures to be $16.3 million. And in 23-24, um, it will go up to 19.4. 
the remaining um, budgeted items are relatively the same with the exception of capital. As Martine mentioned earlier, we have the truck and the FF&E budgeted for 23-24 um, as part of the Station 102 project. When you go down, the next um, grouping is the revenues that come in to support fire. Uh, we generally... We are looking at an increase from 22-23 in revenue for the fire tax from $7 million to $9.1 million. Um, for prop, it says Prop A fire tax, and I know there's been some questions about that. That's the assessment that is charged to each of the homes throughout Palm Desert. Um, for 22-23, we budgeted 2.2, and in 23-24, it is at 2.4. Um, EMS cost recovery, we're anticipating at 2.9 for the 23-24 fiscal year. Reimbursement for the ladder truck, we are reimbursed from the cities of Indian Wells and Rancher Mirage each year for the truck at Station 33. And so we are projecting 1.2 million next year for that. And then the miscellaneous reimbursement includes the reimbursement from the county and $20,000 for miscellaneous fees, bringing our total revenues to $19 million um, versus the 24.6 in expenditures. Um, I'm only projecting a 4.6 transfer in from the general fund because fund balance can pick up the difference, the rest of the difference. Um, it should leave us a fund balance of $12.4 million in fire, and those funds are currently reserved for the um, improvements at 33 and 71 once we get those assessments completed. The fund beneath that is Fund 235, and that fund is for the new fire station at 102, and it's currently being used for the design of the fire station. And that's all I have on that slide. We'll move on, and I will hand it back to Martine. Okay, this particular uh, slide here shows the uh, total number of uh, basically employees under the fire department. It's broken down by fire station. Uh, fire Station uh, 33 has 10 employees or 10 firefighters that are broken down between engineers, firefighters, and medics, um, and also another 12 employ or employees or firefighters broken up uh, for the ladder truck at Station 33. Uh, fire Station 67 has a total of uh, 10 uh, uh, firefighters and engineers and medics, and uh, Fire Station 71 has 14. Um, the other 11 uh, employees or staff members are fixed relief and vacation relief that you see there at the bottom. Um, and those come, come primarily from the, the uh, joint uh, cooperation we have with Indian Wells for a total of 61 uh, positions. Next slide. Uh, this map here shows the what I call a, a heat map of uh, all the different types of uh, responses and calls that the fire department received. Uh, as you can see in the, in the blue, uh, that's the majority of the calls are medical calls, and they're spaced out throughout the city limits. The next uh, largest amount of calls, of course, are <coughs> excuse me, fire, fire-related. Um, and you'll see some of the other ones that come up are, are more hazard-related uh, in the green. Next slide. Uh, this slide here shows a total number of incident uh, responses uh, broken up by year between 2017 and 2021. Uh, in 2021, um, we had Station 33 with 3,100 uh, response calls. Station 67 <clears throat> had 1,000. 
Uh, and Station 71 had 4,800. Uh, and you'll see the totals there for the, the last uh, several years. Um, the bottom rows and columns show the uh, response, average response time for the stations. You'll see uh, station uh, engine 33, medic 33, uh, showing uh, 4.7 and 5.3 uh, minutes response time. And you'll see the percentage change as well at the bottom. Um, the, the truck, ladder truck 33 there, had a 5.2 minute response time in 2021. And you can see the rest of them as well for engine 67, medic 67, and then also for 71. Um, as you can see there, all hovering about five minutes uh, per call. Next slide. Uh, this slide here in the pie charts just show the breakdown of the types of calls that we described in the, in the previous slide. Uh, medical calls made up 83% of the calls for 2021. Um, and of course, the fire was about 10%. And then the 7% was just miscellaneous other calls. And um, the distribution of the EMS cost recovery trips, uh, the, uh, the pie chart here shows that a majority of the cost recovery comes from Medicare. These are transports that are coming into, uh, from Palm Desert to the, to the, uh, to the uh, hospital. Um, the next largest is, uh, let's see, private pay, which is 16%. And then the next one is in the gray at 12%, uh, which is Medicaid. Can I ask a quick question? Sure. Uh, it says bill patient, but we don't bill the patient. What does that mean? I could take a stab at it, but maybe uh, Veronica could help me out. So it is my understanding that they bill the patients that, that are not within the city of Palm Desert? Got it. Got it. Thank you. Okay. Next slide. And here, as we mentioned before, we have a full assessment of our fire stations uh, for 71 and 31. Um, the, the facilities are older. Um, there are in need of uh, some repairs and maintenance, which we're going to be addressing as part of next year's capital improvement projects. Um, but we really wanted to get a comprehensive look and see what these stations, is it worth renovating um, or rebuilding? And so uh, we've come up with some potential um, estimates of what it would take um, to renovate the, uh, the fire stations. For 71 and for 33, about $12 million. And then in each one of those uh, bullet points, you'll see potential funding sources. Um, potentially 12 million could come from Project Area 2 bond funds. Um, these were funds that were returned from the I-10 Portola Bridge that did not move forward. For the Station 33, um, we're looking at potentially uh, 2.7 from Project Area 1. These are former redevelopment bonds, uh, now the under city's control. Um, these are also funds returned from the McCollum Theater. Um, and then the $8 million, uh, potentially could come for, from the Fire Fund, which is the General Fund Reserve. And uh, I believe that concludes the slides and be happy to answer any questions you may have yes okay thank you very much um on page 90 it would show the funding sources for fire perfect okay i just noticed a kind of a big jump uh, from 7 million to 9.1 million on the structural fire tax can you just flesh that out for me 
It was actually just the timing of when we got their um, estimates from the county. Last year, we got it very late, and so the estimate that we had for budget was really low. This year, they happened to give it to us really early because they're looking for more money, and so it was just timing. Okay, perfect, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, thank you, Todd, for really taking the lead in making sure that our fire services infrastructure uh, catches up to our population growth. Because when we look at the transition and response times, it's clear that that needs to happen. So thank you for taking leadership. I had one question that popped up. At another presentation, I think that they had discussed the average response times being at a uh, statewide of like six minutes. Was that for police or for fire? So that we, I think we're, we're better than average. I can't recall if it was police or fire. I know that fire, we were about a minute behind where they want to be. Um, is, and it's getting worse, as you're saying. Uh, the thing, fire, the sort of national goal is four minutes. Thank you. And, the, and it gets a little confusing because what they typically do is they, they time two different aspects. They time the, from the time it gets to the dispatch, and then they time again from the time it, it takes for the truck to actually roll to the uh, thing. So a lot of times they'll add those two, and that's where you're getting those numbers. So tomorrow at 2. Tomorrow at 2. And if I could just clarify some of the follow-ups I'm hoping to have back to you for tomorrow are um, assigned versus committed on the reserve, the TOT from March to June for 2022, um, potentially a list of unfunded and deferred maintenance items, um, moving FTEs to the budget pages, and do we still, do you need a follow-up on the um, six minutes response time or, okay. Was there anything else that, okay, very good. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow at two o'clock. Thank you, everybody.